Welcome to The Buzz, the podcast of the Jazz Journalists Association, where we discuss news and views from those in the jazz media, writers, broadcasters, photographers, videographers, and other professionals documenting the entire ecosystem of jazz. Listening to The Buzz, the official podcast of the Jazz Journalist Association. I'm your host, Rick Mitchell, and today I'm going to be talking to Mark Ruffin, who is the program director of Real Jazz on SiriusXM and a Jazz Journalist Association member, and also Neil Tesser, longtime print music critic, radio programmer, and a member of the board of directors of the Jazz Journalist Association. And we're going to be talking about the results of the annual Jazz Journalist Association music poll, where we ask our members to vote in about 40 categories for the top musicians and music of the year, as well as other journalism awards, which makes us relatively unique among the jazz polls. Take it away, gentlemen. Nice to be here, Rick and Mark. Good to see you again. Mark and I used to host a radio show together in Chicago for several years called Listen Here, which some people listening on public radio stations might actually remember, where we sometimes clashed, <laughs> but, but not that often. Anyway, uh, looking over the results here, Mark, and what, what jumps out at you? Anything in particular? We go through a lot of them, but there are a lot of awards. But let's start with the music awards before we get to the journalists. Well, Neil, for me, there's some young people who I love, and I love seeing them on this list. Emmanuel Wilkins, Jonathan Blake, and Joel Ross. They are the future, and they won for alto sax, vibes, and drums, respectively. Yeah, the, um, the, the Joel Ross is actually, I think, mallet instrument uh, okay. player of the year. But yes, he plays vibraphone. I was a little surprised to see Jonathan Blake there, not because I don't think he's really good, but simply because I was surprised to find enough other people who thought so. You know what it is with all three of them? I think they're the kind of acts that critics love, but they have they have a, a entertainment value, a, a, an accessibility to them. And with Jonathan, it's looking at him play. I mean, yeah, who who plays like that? Yeah. He told he told me once that he was on Elvin Jones's lap one time. <laughs> And that kind of changed his, and 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 the same with Emmanuel Wilkins. I think that would he, be a bumpy ride. I think, <laughs> don't you? But the way he plays is really entertaining. I, I, you have to see him to dig it. You know. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, and agree. Emmanuel Wilkins, just the tone. He he's the future. Yeah. Well. He is part of the future. I know I know you are given to these large uh, pronouncements, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's really good. How about that? <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm glad to see him uh, getting some recognition there. I Me think too, it's man. also worth noting that all three of those guys played on Jonathan Blake's album. That's right. Came out right. last year. Good now, point. Yeah, Jonathan Blake, he's paid his dues, right? You know, he played with Dr. Lonnie Smith and Kenny Barron at the same time. I mean, swinging, but in two different ways with both of those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And plus, plus that album that he put out on his own is, is excellent. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and don't forget the heritage. I mean, he got to be on Elvin Jones lap because his dad, John Blake was a violin player in McCoy Tyner's band from, for yeah. a few years. Yeah. From Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. So as you're talking about accessibility, 
let's bring the elephant right into the room here with the Jazz Musician of the Year, John Batiste. Mark, your thoughts? What can you say? You look at the list of nominees, James Brandon Lewis, William Parker, and Wadada Leo Smith, definitely critics' favorites. John is just a massive, what he did this year is just incredible. You know, I mean, how can you deny it? Where it's not all jazz, though. So I was kind of surprised that the critics were that. This is my point exactly. I was talking to somebody else about this who said, oh, no, absolutely, because he represents jazz to a huge public. And sure, that's true. But but the award isn't jazz representative. And (laughs) in in terms of jazz, look, don't get me wrong. I think John Batiste is terrific. I think his soundtrack for Soul was really, really good. I love what he does on Colbert. I I mean, for years. Oh, the way he quotes, half the fun is listening to him quote whatever jazz standard he's quoting, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't do as much anymore, but during the last presidential administration, almost every other time that Colbert would mention (laughs) Trump, uh, Batiste would throw in a little bit of Thelonious Monk's Trinkle Tinkle, which for those who were following the headlines was hilarious. And, you know, 47 of us got it. So I, I really... I, I love all that stuff that John Batiste does, but he wasn't out doing jazz concerts per se. He wasn't making jazz albums per se. And there are a lot of other people in the music who I thought from a strictly jazz music perspective might have been a little more likely for musician of the year. I mean, the other, as you pointed out, the other nominees included James Brandon Lewis, William Parker and Pat Metheny. So that's that's really kind of surprising. Pat Metheny unveiled, I think, two new projects in the last year and, you know, tours widely and usually wins these things. So good for John Batiste, but surprising. Can you explain it, Neil? Oh, can you explain it? It's in two, no. it's in three words. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. That's six words. I mean, that's that's uh, what a, what a platform. Do you think that he won all those Grammy Awards because of that album that he made alone? No, or because he's on TV every night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the same with the Oscars. I mean, yeah. but again, you take that year, man. Yeah. Oscars, great year. he signed with Sesame Street. I mean, and he represents jazz. I heard someone say that Lizzo, just because Lizzo plays flute and is a classical musician, right now, does she represent classical music because she had that? I don't know if that worked for Batista. No, no, the case is strong for John Batista. Anyway, it was a little bit surprising, I think. But some of the other people you mentioned who were considered for Jazz Musician of the Year each did pretty well in other categories. I mean, Wadada Leo Smith was uh, inducted into the Lifetime Achievement in Jazz area. I mean, he got the award for that this year, as well as for... Uh, he won Trumpeter. Uh, Trumpet, he won yeah. Trumpet. Yeah. Right, right, which is really amazing. And and also, when you talk about it being kind of a critic's pick, it's kind of hard to imagine the same group of journalists of which you and I are part picked Wadada Leo Smith as trumpeter and John Batiste for uh, Musician of the Year. I mean, just it was unusual. I'm not sure what you were referring to, but actually, Wadada did not get the Lifetime Achievement Award. That oh, was Sheila oh sorry. Sorry. Of course. And, uh, and I found that a bit surprising, although it did, I, I liked it, but it, I found it surprising. You, yeah, you, found, can, you found surprising that Sheila got the award? Yeah, considering who the other people nominated were. Well, first of all, my mistake. I had everything written down here and misread my own notes. But of course, you're right. Sheila Jordan received the Lifetime Achievement in Jazz 
And I was not surprised because I think it's really good to give these to people while they're still here. And so usually I look at that list every year of nominees and there's many really valid nominees. And I kind of gravitate towards the oldest ones because I'd like to be able to honor them while they're still on the planet. Well, also to justify Sheila, just like John Baptiste had a really good year, right? Sheila comparatively, relatively had a really good year. That Lost album came out. She showed up on a few places and she's always touring. During the yeah. pandemic, she was touring. 94, 95, whatever. Yeah. I think I think if you look at the year, she had a really good year. Yeah, but this is lifetime achievement. And she also and she's been doing that kind of yeah, touring right. for like 30 years. And she yeah. is in her 90s. And by the way, she travels alone. She doesn't have yes. anybody help. She's just out there. So she's a force of nature. Let's listen to an excerpt of Sheila Jordan singing Comes Love from an album of the same name, recorded in 1960, but never released until 2021. Nothing can be done, nothing can be done, nothing can be done. Speaking of force of nature, and let's turn to the journalism categories. That is the name of Deanna Witkowski's album devoted to Mary Lou Williams. And her book on Mary Lou Williams won one of the two Jazz Book of the Year awards. There are two now, and a new one was instituted this year. But in the category of biography, the book by pianist Deanna Witkowski about someone she has championed, her one of her idols, Mary Lou Williams, won the Book of the Year, which I thought was great. I think it's great that the JJA adopted the new book category. Of I course you do. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that is because if because <laughs> if that had been in place the previous year, Mark's uh, book, Bebop Fairy Tales, might have had a better chance of winning. It was up against biographies and historical yeah. overviews. But, but that's not why I said that, even though I was up against the Ornette Coleman uh, <laughs> biography. <laughs> and I was surprised that my book even got attention. And I love that the Jazz Journalists Association is going for non-traditional jazz books. I think it's, it's a great thing, man. You know? Yeah, that would also tie, I think, to the book that won in the other book award, which was this book called She Raised Her Voice, which yeah. is not strictly a, a jazz book. It's about women, African-American artists, and their struggle and their influence and their impact on American music at large. So I thought that was pretty great. So her name is Jordana Elizabeth. I think that's right. And, you know, I was not familiar with the book until we saw it nominated here. And I'm very much looking forward to delving into it. You know, with these polls, uh, downbeat poll and, and this one, there's legacy that's, you know, there are names that are always there. Yeah. What I like about this year, I already mentioned the young folks, but it seems to be a changing of the guard in some of these categories. What are you pointing to specifically? Well, I could point to a couple of them, but 
Pedrito Martinez. I mean, how many Drake? How many times have me Drake won that award? So to see Pedrito in there is is a nice term. Gary Smolian, he always wins baritone sax. No change there. But again, to see the young folks come up, James Francis on keyboards is there's a changing of the guard coming, and I really like some of these young people. Yeah, and the fact that there's a lot of them that haven't changed, I think, reflects the fact that many people do have a kind of wind at their back when they've been around for a while. So, I mean, I'm, I won't argue that Christian McBride shouldn't be considered bassist of the year. I wouldn't say that he that that's undeserved. But the fact is he wins often and he comes in with a certain amount of goodwill from anybody who's paying attention. Maybe people are a little more eager or open to listening to new recordings by him or going to see him perform in a club because they know him, because he's a, a known quantity. I think that that's true of a number of the instrumental categories, including, uh, well, Mary Halverson on guitar, who's not your traditional guitarist, but who has been making so many waves among so many people for many years now and is a recent MacArthur Fellowship winner. So, uh, you know, that's a good thing to see there. And she may be there for a little while. We'll see. Kurt Elling and Cecile McLaurin-Savant, not really surprising when you look at the vocalists and even at the ones who were who are nominated. Uh, These are folks who I think sometimes people look at it and go, well, look at who won last year and the year before. And these guys are just repeating themselves. The problem quote, I have quotes around problem is that the artists are repeating themselves as being really good. Not that they're doing the same thing, but they continue to repeat their success in different ways. Christian McBride gets better. Kurt Elling gets better. Yeah. Um, But, but back to the guitarists again, the names are changing. Uh, You see Matheny and Frizzell, but Peter Bernstein, who should have, I mean, man, his bluesy style should have had him at the top of these polls forever. So it's nice to see him get something, too, as well as Julian Lodge, who, again, it's nice to see new names. Yeah, it is. And it's nice to see them being nominated. That's that's absolutely true. So uh, here's a couple of surprises. Two awards in the journalism uh, side for Ted Joya who I've admired Ted Joya's writing since the first thing I read by him, which was his book, West Coast Jazz, in the 19, I think, early 90s. And he won the uh, Writing Award and also the Best Blog Award. And both of these are are changes from what has happened often in the past for a blog that he started about a year ago called The Honest Broker. Now, here's what's interesting to me about that. That blog is only occasionally about jazz. I shouldn't say only occasionally, but by no means primarily about jazz. He writes about the music business. He writes about literature. He writes about large societal currents that he has studied in previous jobs involving, you know, systems analysis. I mean, it's a widespread blog, and yet it won here for Jazz Blog of the Year, which suggests to me that, A, people really like what he writes about jazz, and maybe, B, that the Jazz Journalist Association is open to, you know, a larger field where along the same lines as you would argue about John Batiste, right. he's bringing jazz into a larger context. And that may have something to do with it. But for many years, the, the blog of the year was run by Mark Myers from Jazz Wax or Ethan Iverson from uh, The Pianist, who writes Do the Math, both of them very well deserved. This is a little bit of a change. And again, this blog of Ted Joyce has only been around for about a year. And, you know, and then he won 
the Robert Palmer Helen Oakley Writing Award for 2021. And that has often gone to people like Bill Mulkowski and most often to Nate Chenin when he was writing for the New York Times because they were busy, they were good, and they were visible. So that's kind of a, that's a talk about a changing of the guard. Ted Joy is not that much younger than we are, so it's not a, a young name, but it's kind of a new name for this poll. A couple of other categories I want to make sure we get to. The record of the year, and I was a little bit surprised by this. I mean, Kenny Garrett sounds from the ancestors. I think it's a terrific album. I think it might be one of the definitive albums of Kenny Garrett's long career. And it's the kind of record that people like, but it's not often the kind of record that wins critics' polls. For example, in the uh, what used to be the NPR poll that it's now on a, a website, the winner was by James Brandon Lewis. It's the International Jazz Critics yeah. Poll. And that, that James Brandon Lewis album, I, I listened to it. I, I thought it was really good. But I was glad to see Kenny Garrett get some respect from the critics. It also won album art for what that's worth. And, I, and the other one that I want to make sure we get to is the Jazz Journalist of the Year Award, the late Greg Tate. Yeah. Any thought on either of those categories? Well, let's start with the record of the year. If you go to the uh, category, there's a lot of critic favorites. William Parker with Dada Leo Smith. We've already mentioned their names. James Brandon Lewis. Again, along with the John Baptiste thing, Kenny Garrett's record's pretty accessible for a Kenny Garrett record. And so, yes, it's a little surprising that Kenny won over these names. Charles Lloyd. I mean, gosh, what a great record that I would think critics would really into. For Kenny to win, it shows me they're not afraid of a backbeat. That was Kenny Garrett performing an excerpt from his composition, For Art's Sake, from his award-winning album, Sounds from the Ancestors. Charles Lloyd has won a few times recently because he, he keeps putting out great albums. Yes. And the band, Bill Frizzell and Greg Lease and Ruben Rogers and Eric Harlan, won for Best Jazz Combo, Mid-Sized Band. Yeah. So, so they did get recognized this year as well. By the way, that rhythm section is, I think, underrated. Ruben Rogers... No, we're talking about best bass player. Not, he never wins a pool, but but he's got that groove, doesn't he? He's the perfect definition of, you know, if he wasn't there, you would miss him. Ruben is just so sublime, just yeah. so good. And he, he goes unnoticed because he's doing what a bass player is supposed to do. Yeah. And let's yeah. say a few words about Greg. Greg Tate, uh, this was a horrible loss and surprising. He was a young man. He was wide-ranging. He wrote about a lot of different things, certainly not just jazz, maybe not even primarily jazz. And I don't know how to say this correctly. You know, would people have made notice of him if he hadn't been in the news for having passed away? Would, would he have been nominated this year? I don't know. And that speaks to the fact that very often we overlook important people in our midst until something happens. And that's something that 
you don't want to see happen. You you want to, again, try to recognize people while they're here. So uh, he was a tremendously important writer, influential on a lot of people, other writers that I know, widely read and really respected and appreciated by so many readers. But, you know, he's never been on this poll before. And I guess what I'm saying is, and I don't want to sound as sensitive at all, is that I'm very sorry it took his passing for him to get a nomination. Mark? You know, man, he his influence is so wide-ranging, and he was so good at hip-hop, R&B, yeah. at, at movies. He was just good at talking about art. Yeah. Again, man, it seems like, and I don't want to bash my brethren in the JJA, but there's some minds opening up, it seems. That's what these results say to me this year. And I also believe Greg Tate, he was one of the few Black music journalists who did get some due. I I love that he got the attention he did get. Yeah. May rest in peace. Absolutely. One other thing I'd like to add, Greg also had a band. His band, Burnt Sugar, Mm -hmm. came through Portland, Oregon, where I live shortly before the COVID lockdowns happened, you know, that's sort of like applied music criticism. I'm not only going (laughs) to criticize what other people do, I'm going to get up on stage and apply these things that I think about to live music. And you got to hand it to them. You know, Rick, one time in Chicago, there was the critics band and I was asked to join. (laughs) I was in it. I was like, nah, I don't want that applied action. You know, no, no, no. It takes a certain amount of courage, but it's like it's like Francois Truffaut, you know, was a was an autourist film critic and then said, well, I'm going to try to do it myself. And so, yes, the Burnt Sugar Orchestra, which I never got to see, unfortunately, that's a great indication of what you're saying. So to those listening, you can find the results that we're talking about at the website, www.jjajazzawards.org. They'll be posted by the time you hear this. Any final thoughts, guys? I wanted to say the pandemic changed a lot of things. And I'm really proud of what Emmett Cohen has done. During the pandemic, he started his live stream. And just, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, he did a benefit for it. Ukraine, and he yeah. raised like thousands and thousands of dollars. His, his production values, everything has grown with his live stream. And I really, it's really cool. And his stream called Live from Emmett's Place, he won for live stream producer because of that series. Yeah, it's a great series. Neil, anything else? Final thoughts? Pretty much kind of recapping what we've talked about here, that there's uh, the usual mix of people who've been around a lot, that there is some some newer folks coming along, which is great to see. And that I think it's a pretty impressive roster of winners here, including a fantastic photo, which you'll have to see at the website from Poland, a fantastic photo of the saxophonist Lakisha Benjamin in action. And I, I, I thought that that was a really good choice too. I mean, if you look over these names and you think about the people that made these albums and you even go to hear some of them, I think you get a decent idea of, uh, I don't know, maybe 70% idea of what's actually going on in the music today. Because there are plenty of these younger names that Mark mentioned that that aren't here and that may be in the future. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Neil. I'm Rick Mitchell. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of The Buzz, the official podcast of the Jazz Journalist Association. 
Sponsors of the 2022 JJA Jazz Awards include the Berkeley College of Music, the Joyce and George Wien Foundation, Jazz Foundation of America, SF Jazz, the Stanford Jazz Workshop, Monterey Jazz Fest Kumba Jazz, San Jose Jazz Festival, Peabody Conservatory, Mac Avenue Records, Blue Note Records, High Note Savant Records, Arcadia Records, Pi Recordings, Century Media Partners, Sue Auclair Promotions, Braithwaite & Katz, Jazz Promo Services, and Carolyn McClare Public Relations. The Buzz is produced by Jeffrey Siegel and features the music of John Michaels performing the tune Big Vic. I'm your host, Rick Mitchell. Thank you for listening, and please come back for the next edition of The Buzz. <laughs>